you have to be different. You have to be so different than your competitors that they can't that 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 your prospects they come, they're walking towards your booth, they see it, they're attracted, and it's oh my gosh, wow, let me tell you what we did here. Well, gee, what about that? Oh my gosh, let me tell you about that. And then when they leave, they can't they can't help thinking about you. Okay. So if it's if if they're not going to buy until new construction, they're going to remember you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Savvy, our educational podcast for field service and home service business owners. I am your host, Nick Worker. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be diving into a rather unique topic and that is exhibiting at a home show. If your company has attended home shows in the past and didn't achieve the results you expected, or you're considering exhibiting at a home show in the near future, you're definitely going to want to stick around for this conversation. Our guest today, Rodney Coop, has been working in the home service world for over 40 years and has a ton of great tips to share on making the most of the home show experience. So let's dive right in. Rodney, thank you for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here. Happy to help. I appreciate it. Um, so let's get to it. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your experience working in the in the home services world? Well, just that I uh, at about 13 years old, my dad made me get out, out of bed, go help my brothers on the electrical service truck. That's really the story of uh, uh, most people in home services. It was a family business. So that's how I got started. Uh, became an electrical apprentice, electrician, master electrician, then moved away and went to work for the big company in the South and uh, kept getting promoted uh, and did a lot of, did a ton of things. But in 1990, started my own electrical company. I wanted to do residential service, ended up doing mostly industrial and then also some commercial. And then in 95, I bought an HVAC company so that I could get back into residential. And I had my number one goal as a business owner was to be able to pay a man back then, a man, enough money so his wife could stay home with the kids. That was my goal. And uh, I couldn't really do it in industrial, certainly couldn't do it in commercial. Um, uh, but uh, in residential, I thought that I could. And so I went that route. I bought an incredibly great HVAC company for virtually nothing because negotiating is something I've always studied. But I didn't know anything about HVAC, I ruined it. In about three to six months, I had practically totally destroyed that business, got kicked out of everything that was important, like the utility company that gave us the leads so people could put new systems in their homes and just add $35 a month to the utility bill. I mean, how easy is that? I got kicked off of that. I got, I was just, what I didn't know was, was huge, but it forced me to overcome obstacles. So. So I did everything. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on best practices, groups, consultants, sales trainers, you name it. I've got over 3000 books, mostly self-help stuff. Uh, but it was hard to be successful in an industry that thought service technicians should be able to go into a house, communicate, sell, educate the customer, upsell, come back with a big enough ticket to keep the company in business. That was my struggle for years. We eventually developed a new flat rate, which we can talk about later, which solves all that problems. But that's how I got into the whole construction field. And, and, and the, the, the biggest joy to me in construction or in service was, especially as an electrician, after I had fixed everything or installed or whatever, now I'm about to push the button so everything can start again, right? I love that moment. I loved it because I knew that when I pushed that button, it would work. I mean, I knew it. I would have bet you a million dollars. People say, well, I bet it won't work. Oh, yeah. You know, give me the title of your house because when I push that button, it's going to work. So that's a that's a tradesman, a craftsman, a serviceman. We live for that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, that's who I am. That's that's how I got here. <laughs> I, it's a lot of fun already. Um I want to talk about this because um, it, it's it's sort of changed over the years, right? Um, in the old days, 
you would get your leads from the utility company and and go and and try to upsell them $35 a month. Makes perfect sense, right? Mm -hmm. But these days, business owners are encouraged to do the majority of their marketing and their networking networking online. Uh, Why do you believe events like home shows um, specifically are still worth attending? And, uh, and, And what do you think home service companies sort of can can gain from attending these events oh i guess they didn't tell you i hate home shows (laughs) and i'll tell you why here's what i hate about them and you're already thinking oh my gosh we're gonna have to scrap this podcast no not yet don't touch that dial here's what i hate about home shows okay um as an attendee or as a exhibitor so as an exhibitor first back in the day what did we do Oh, we set out the HVAC equipment, right? And, uh, um, you know, all of the different vendors would kind of set out the, 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 the tools of their trade, trying to promote the brand, whatever it might be. Now, you know that today the brand is, is me. The brand is my company, right? So when we say promote the brand, we mean promoting our company. Well, back in the day, we would set a couple of big air conditioners there, you know, all pretty and stuff. And then we... <laughs> And then we would sit there on stools as people walked by wearing their earth tones and corduroys and hush puppies, trying very hard not to look anybody in the eye, right? That's what I hate about home shows. Everybody is averting eye contact. So even now, if I go to a home show as an attendee, I may want to talk to somebody. I may not. Often, I'm only coming to see one thing, right? I may go to a a swimming pool uh, show, but all I'm looking at is a swim spa or all I'm looking at is a hot tub. And what's the last thing I want? I've always said rule number one in business, everybody hates it if you try to sell them something. So how do you get their attention without turning on their sales resistance? Because if they think you're trying to sell, sales resistance goes up, they avert the eyes and all they wanna do is get past you. Their problem is they've got 20 booths, they gotta get past, right? Okay. So I went through all of that mess and and I did some things right, some things wrong. But I remember after one trade, after one home show, I said, I I made this commitment. I says, I'm never doing another home show until I learn how to juggle butcher knives. (laughs) Because if I was sitting there juggling butcher knives, they would stop, they would look, they would make eye contact, right? I mean, they would engage. The people that I absolutely love, and you may too, if you've ever been to a Renaissance fair, is the jugglers. I love the jugglers because they tell jokes, right? They're always juggling and then they're telling jokes. And if you've seen them once, you've seen them twice, it's kind of the same jokes, but you still love it, you know? I've seen the same jugglers from Renaissance fairs make it all the way to tonight, to the Tonight Show stop telling the same joke. I love these guys. Okay. Then I also like the guy that does the pots and pans. He's doing the cooking, right? Because he's got a stage set up. He's got all his pots and pans there, but that doesn't matter. Well, kind of does because people like that. Then he's got chairs, usually about 14 chairs set up, two rows of chairs. And what's he doing? He's sizzling. He's got something cooking and, and it's, and now there's the odor. So they say, they say, um, they say, don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. Well, the nice thing about a home show is there's odor that can go with it to attract. So now you think about these things. How can you attract people to your booth? And when they get to the booth, how can they be engaged and how can they enjoy, really enjoy the engagement so that they'll like you? You remember, you're the brand, right? So we need them, we need them to like us. Now, if you're somebody like me, I have a tendency, well, I was diagnosed when I was 16 by my older brother who said, Rodney, half the people really like you. They think you hung the moon, but half the people hate you. Well, first of all, he was no kind of psychiatrist, right? 
but he did diagnose me as bipolar. I realized I was bipolar. And what I did is I took that information and I started observing people. And if I saw a certain personality type, I knew that I couldn't be myself because my personality, you can see what it is. I'm just all out there. Doesn't work for certain types of people. So um, uh, if you have, you're going to have people in your booth, you need to have people who are um, extroverts like me, who, who can engage and who can maybe do something fun. Then you need to have people that when a customer just wants some serious questions, they don't want any jokes, they don't want goofing around, maybe they need to talk to that person. See what I mean? So I'm not all into this body language evaluation. I'm not all this in trying to assess and no, but I can tell if I don't jive with somebody and I'm fine with letting them talk to somebody else. So we'll get into, into more in depth, but another thing is sometimes, like when we do, when, when we do uh, uh, vendor shows and things now, I typically am not in the booth, okay? Simply because I, I think I offend too many people, okay? Um, I can tell you the person I offend and it's the person that thinks they're smarter than me. I don't know why that just doesn't work with me. Anyway, so we've learned over the years, I, I don't stay in the booth. I just go out, I just go walk around. I talk to other vendors, get to know people. And by the way, there's a lot of people there that your company can do business with. All of those people that are in the other booths, if, if you're doing air conditioning, they all need air conditioning. If you're doing pest control, they all need pest control, et cetera, et cetera. So, and some of them like to partner and reciprocate, share leads. They've got good customers that need your services too. So that's what I do. And then because I am the supposedly expert founder, whatever, if back at the booth, uh, <clears throat> they're talking to a prospect who has some uh, maybe specific detailed questions or whatever that I'm best for, or maybe somebody that thinks I'm the smart guy and they want to talk to me. Some people just want to talk to the owner, et cetera. Then they can just ring me up and say, hey, come on back and talk to this guy. Well, see, now I'm invited in. See, that's like the difference between knocking on somebody's door and being obnoxious. And I can tell you how to overcome that as well versus somebody calling you and say, would you come to my house and just talk to me uh, about a new deck, about new siding, uh, about an HVAC or whatever, you know? Um, so I think I've mentioned that rule number one is people hate it if you try to sell them something. Rule number two, try not to do anything until you're invited in, okay? Whether it's invited into the conversation invited into their life, their group, their whatever, or invited into their house. Try not to do anything till you're invited in. So I could talk on and on and on, but maybe you want to direct what you, you have, what you think I should talk about. Oh, I'm having a lot of fun. Don't worry about me over here. Um, I, I do want to ask you though, because uh, you mentioned, and, uh, and this hooked me, right? Is don't, don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things uh, or, or recommendations that you have when it comes to the planning of your individual booth at a home show? So, so what can businesses do? Uh, and, and I'm sure you have examples. Like, how can you make your booth more enticing and draw more attention to your, your business and your brand and get the people to, to sort of stop and actually look at you before they, uh, before they dart past and go to wherever the, uh, the cheese and coffee is? The booth needs to attract, possibly entertain, defuse, be friendly, give them something to talk about besides what you're there to sell, okay? So it needs a theme. Think long and hard about a theme. And before, let me say this, okay? Marketing, lead generation, promoting, advertising. Those jobs are spelled W-O-R-K. It's work. Now, if you're filthy rich, you could hire a company to go and set up a booth, run the booth, bring you the leads. 
okay? But most of us never could do that. And we didn't trust them anyway. You have to, so the first, the first part of work is thinking. That's the, that's the, that's the witty part. You got to think. So let's think of a theme that we can have. For example, we did a, uh, uh, we did a, a, a show in Las Vegas. And so for a theme, our theme was James Bond. All right. So we had a 20 foot booth, which is two booths. So we already had some money invested. And so I had a backdrop made for the entire back and sides of the booth, well, the, the back of the booth to look just like the inside of a casino. It was wonderful, 20 feet long, and it looked just like you were in a casino. Then we set up um, a poker table uh, over here, uh, which was very easy to do. Now we did all this ourselves. In other words, we didn't you know, have to go rent poker tables in Las Vegas. You can rent real poker tables from casinos. You can get dealers and all that stuff. Then we, we also had a, a little walkthrough area where you would walk through and you would meet Q. Q is the guy that always gave James Bond the fancy tools, the secret watch with the killer poison, you know, the, the, the boots with the spike on the heel, and then the, the great car, you know, uh, the, the, the Aston Martin or whatever it might be, this great car with all of the gadgets. So people would enter the booth over here and then they would meet Q and Q would give them their special um, uh, advantage uh, went for in the casino. And, you know, so, so we had to think and kind of divide all that. We had, a, we had a, a, what, what's called a wrangler. In other words, somebody standing out in front of the booth uh, that's happy and, and encouraging people to go through the experience. So they would come through that right away. They're in the casino. Then they would come over and they would sit down and they were given uh, before they got there, they were giving us a sum of, uh, of, of money, play money, or chips, a sum of chips, et cetera. So now they go to the table. And who's at the table? We hired a James Bond lookalike, an impersonator. And I think he was out of Florida. We flew him there from Florida. And he was he was the, the perfect Sean Connery. He was an older Sean Connery. And he actually... Uh, did very well, fit really good, talked just like James Bond. And, uh, and so then they would, they would sit down. We'd try to bring them in anywhere from three to three to five people to, and they would sit around the table and play a game uh, with Mr. Bond. And so it was fun. It was exciting and all of that kind of stuff. Then he, one of the things that he did as part of his service is he would learn about our company and then we would give him four or five key points that that we wanted prospects to know. Like, for example, if you if you knew that if you use the new flat rate, it will double and triple your average service ticket, which is amazing. Um, we're four billion dollars into this, we, so so we know exactly what's going to happen when they use the new flat rate. So so we would he would then have these discussions, and then he would drop the bullet points, which you know it's it's coming from James Bond, and it's all in fun, et cetera, et cetera. And then after the game, I don't you know I don't even remember you know what they would win different things, right? And so uh, so then they could go over to the cashier to redeem their prizes, and then the cashier would redeem their prizes, have fun, and then just and give them some new flat rate paraphernalia, and then ask them if they, they wanted to talk to anybody about it. And so we picked up some new customers through it and just absolutely had a great time. But it started with a theme. And we usually start, uh, most companies need to start about a year in advance. We, would, we usually start about eight months in advance and then we have a weekly, just a, a short weekly meeting, okay, to develop the theme, the ideas. And when we get down to where we're about two months from the show, then we have a good idea of what do we need to buy? What does the stage need to look like? How do we set it up? Now, could you do that for a home show? Of course, of course. If you can't juggle butcher knives, you better do something, right? So 
the guy that was selling the, the pots and pans and the steaks, he can keep you there long enough to give his whole pitch, which is all scripted. And because at the end, you're going to, you're going to get to taste the food. But even you sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and you're going to get a sample of something like he maybe cooks some corn or some beans first or whatever. And then, if, but the steak is for later. And then he also may have a, a little apple cake, apple cake or something. The point is he can give you things throughout the presentation to satisfy um, some of that desire that he's creating. These people are brilliant. In my opinion, the guy that makes the most money from, from uh, home shows is probably the guy cooking the steaks. And then what is he doing out of that? He's booking appointments. So uh, what is your particular trade? It, whatever it is, think about it. Then you can develop a theme. Now, if it's, um, if you're a real estate agent and you're selling homes, well, typically you're going to have some, or if you're a builder, you've got pictures of homes that you've built, but they need to be separated. Okay. Because what's my budget? Do I want to build a home for 250,000? Uh, there needs to be a pitch book of those, a pitch book of the, the, the 300 to 400, a pitch book of the half a million and whatever, separate it as much as you can. Then it also needs to be ranch style, duplex, uh, um, cob, whatever it might be. And then there is um, flat property, hilly property, wooded property, lake property. Um, see what I mean? You have to think, where are my prospects coming from? What do they want to see and what do they want to think about? Remember, you start by thinking, uh, what's my theme? What's my, or what's my, what is my customer looking for? What, what do they just, when they, when they see it, oh my gosh. So if you're building houses, that's kind of easy if you built a lot of different kinds of houses, because if you have pitch books or, or pic pictures of those type of houses, if you're a renovation contractor, wow, is that ever great? Like, like bathrooms, kitchens, uh, remodels, deck renovations. Okay, you have to think about all the way from the top which is, which is a gut and redo. Let's just, let's just gut the whole top floor of the house and then let's rebuild a master suite, a kitchen, a den, whatever, okay? But a lot of people can't do that. So you have to be able to talk and have before and after pictures of everything from, from the most complete expensive all the way down to, oh, oh my gosh, you're talking to somebody. And they say, well, we're, we're thinking about redoing our kitchen. Now, if you start telling them about a, a, a $40,000 kitchen, uh, they may be too embarrassed to tell you that their budget is $5,000. Mm -hmm. So you have the conversation with them. But when you find out what they're looking for, there's only one thing you should say. And that is, oh my gosh. Let me show you how we can do what we call um, a, a um, and, and you have a name for it, what we call a, a, um, 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 a, a, a budget transformation or a basic transformation or, or the most, uh, let me show you the greatest kitchen upgrade that we did for this couple and it didn't and it only cost a few thousand or it was under seven thousand dollars let me show you you have to be excited about what they want to be excited about see what i mean it's not about you it's not about me it's about them you have to get inside their mind and create that and be, be as excited about that as they are. And so you have, you choose your customer. What do I want? Do I only want the million dollar customers? Well, okay. Then let's, let's build our booth to entice them. Unfortunately, then we don't have anything for the other end. 
But am I a renovation guy that I can do a $5,000 job that takes two days and I can, I can change their life? It's not about changing a vanity, a cabinet, a sink. It's about changing a life. Everything you do is about changing a life. I do ride-alongs with technicians. I used to do it all over the country. I, don't, I haven't done it in years and years. But I used to say to service men, like men and women, like let's say a plumber, I would say, I get to see something that you, you don't get to see. They say, what is that? I say, after, after you do the work, you do a complete renovation on the kitchen sink, you rebuild everything on the top, you rebuild everything from the bottom, maybe run a drain cleaner through to the main line. And then you go out to the truck to get the paperwork. I said, and I'm still there. I get to see what you don't. I get to watch the customer walk up to that sink and love your work. They'll look underneath over and they're just, they're so happy. They can't wait to do the dishes, okay? <laughs> you need to change people's life so much that they can't wait to do the dishes, all right? So uh, I've certainly got plenty of ideas, but I think it all starts with philosophies with philosophies. It's, it's a thinking. What are people thinking when they walk in? What are they going to think when they see me in my booth? What are they going to be thinking about when they walk away? Does that make a little bit of sense? Makes a lot of sense. We will be right back after this short ad. My name is Joe Fish. I'm the owner of Victorian Fence located in Long Island, New York. I've been a ring savvy customer for five years. They're very professional. They know exactly what to say. And when customers call, they have no idea that it's a separate answering service. With a product like Fence, if they don't get a live person, they're just gonna call the next Fence company. With Ring Savvy, I never miss a potential new customer. Ring Savvy is an extension of our business. I like to answer my phone, but during those real busy times of year, I can let it ring on my cell phone one time. And if I'm not able to get it, it will be forwarded to Ring Savvy where a professional sounding person will answer and take my phone call. Ring Savvy really helped me to be present whether I'm at work or at home. My kids are young, so when I'm home, I don't want to be on the telephone and trying to resolve their issues. Ring Savvy is definitely giving me a better quality of life. You're a very experiential guy, clearly. Um, I think uh, you draw a lot from from your experiences with with different shows that you've been at and obviously on these ride-alongs and, and just your experience in general. Um, is there anything that you've seen that's sort of a trend that, that companies are doing at these shows that is a huge turnoff to potential customers and that we can sort of categorize and say, right now stop doing this yeah 90 percent of them it's terrible it's disgusting and it's been the same ever since day one 90 percent of them sit in the booth on their cell phones they're trying to avert a, a glance as much as the customer so that's number one is is the people in the booth i understand fear of rejection i understand that you can have the most the most happy animated person. And then you put them in a booth and they're scared stiff because um, they don't want the customer to think they're trying to sell them something. Okay, but we can't all hire perfect. We can't all be perfect people. So the overall booth, the theme, if we have one, the, the, the talking points, they have to do as much for me to overcome my fear of rejection as they do for the guy walking by to overcome his fear of being sold something. You see? So I'm glad you brought that up. You have to think of your booth as a safe place, a fun place um, for me, for the guy in the booth, so that I want to interact. I'm so happy about it. I want to talk to the people. Okay, so the worst thing is walking by booths with stuff in them, okay, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously with people sitting there on their phones or eating lunch in the booth or something like that, you wanna avoid that, okay? The best thing, so let me tell you the in-between thing, okay? Here's how people have tried to solve this for years with some success. The in-between thing 
is is a activity. So it might be a wheel that we spin. A lot of people are even afraid to do that, you know, um, or a putting, a little putting, putting competition, um, or which I think is way, way, way better than any of those would be a basketball shoot or a ski bowl thing, you know, things that we might think are kind of rinky dink, but, but they're fun and they'll attract people. So last year in Louisville, our theme was racing. And so um, I set up two uh, slot car tracks. I grew up as a kid with slot cars. Absolutely uh, I loved them. And so I wanted to relive that experience. So I set up two slot car tracks uh, in the booth. And then everybody, which I hated, it wasn't my idea. Everybody had to dress up like Mario. Mario, who I know nothing about. That's after my time. I had to wear some stupid costume, which I do not like stuff like that. Which one were you? Who were you? I don't, I, who, probably Luigi, probably whoever that is. Do you remember what color you were? Red, I think. Uh, then you're Mario. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. See, I, I don't know. <laughs> I hate that stuff. <laughs> but it gives you something to sort of hide behind, you know, to be a character, play a character. I, I thought, oh, you know, people grew up with slot cars. They'll want to come in and race them. The truth is not many people uh, cared about actually racing them. They wanted to look at it. They wanted to talk about their childhood, which is, which is great for me. And it totally took the edge off of that, that we're a menu pricing company. So it was really effective. And then of course we had uh, uh, three or four people in the booth who, who again were very, very jovial. And, and one, of the, one of the ladies was uh, our actual salesperson. So if somebody wanted to go through a demo or something, she could do that. The whole idea was it just made it easy, fun, and we won uh, best booth, best best booth at the show, uh, just which is just simply because of creativity, making something fun and interesting, and and following a theme. Oh, but you asked. Okay, so what's the worst thing people do? They sit there on their phones. The second worst thing, they just sit there with some air conditioning equipment on a stool and uh, hope so somebody's going to walk in somebody oh we're building a house in 17 years and we might want air conditioning you know you know it you know it okay so those are the bad things because i hate that so much um we did a show with my hvac company uh and so so we ended up having a 20 20 foot by 20 foot square because it was a new show and they were having a hard time getting vendors. So we were able to negotiate a nice, a nice big space. So we set up a, a, a air handler, I think, and a condenser, um, I guess, because we're air conditioning, but we were doing something that nobody in the country that nobody, I didn't know anybody was doing. We started spray foam encapsulating air ducts over 20 years ago. And so we, we built a little a duct system right there in the booth with spray foam encapsulated air ducts. Well, nobody had seen that before. We also start, I also started doing something else. And that was, I became a, a central vac dealer, okay? Because I had seen this central vac system called Hida hose. And so what it is, is the hose that's in the wall or the piping in the wall held the hose and you would just pull out the hose attach it to your vacuum tool vacuum you could pull out as much as 50 feet of hose do the hole upstairs and then when you're done you just simply release the catch put your hand over the hose to create a suction and it just sucks the hose back into the wall oh it was great I, because we did so much indoor air quality I was always a believer that the, that the best vacuum was one a central vac that was piped outside. So a cyclonic, uh, so it would ca capture the dust and then all of this, the, the small particles blow them right outside. That's the cleanest way. I, I had no plan to sell central vacs. 
I had no plan to, to sell the Idaho system. I fully intended to give it away. And by the way, Mr. Customer, uh, with the top option, you get the whole central vaccine, you get the central, you get it for your whole house. I sold a $55,000 system. This is 15 years ago. A $55,000 system for a new home um, because his wife wanted that. She wanted that central vac system. And uh, my whole cost on the central vac thing, piping and all, was probably 600, 700 at wow. the most. You know, and I suppose a few hundred to install it. And if I remember right, me and one of the guys installed the whole thing. Um, so, but what a closing tool, right? So, so I think I've said that to say, um, you've got your transitions like the games, the spins, the golf putting, things like that. But you have to be different. You have to be so different than your competitors that they can't, that, that, that your prospects, they come, they're walking towards your booth, they see it, they're attracted, and it's, oh my gosh, wow, let me tell you what we did here. Well, gee, what about that? Oh my gosh, let me tell you about that. And then when they leave, they can't, they can't help thinking about you, okay? So if, it's, if, if they're not gonna buy until new construction, they're gonna remember you. They're gonna come back and talk to you. Of course, you should have a prospect follow-up kit anyway, but whatever it is. If you're landscaping, you're very fortunate because I've seen landscape companies set up, come in with trucks of dirt and sod and rocks. And uh, those, you gotta be a pretty big landscaping company to, you know, they probably spend $25,000 uh, on the display. But you know, wow, wow, how can I compete with that? That's very hard too. So if I'm a landscaper, I'm, I'm going to have some really nice pictures of before and after, but I'm gonna have a theme, okay? And I'm gonna have a theme that's gonna be something like, you know, um, um, if, you, if you fell asleep in your backyard and dreamed about, uh, you know, and, and, and had a dream about your new backyard, what would that look like? And so my theme might be, you know, dreamscapes or, 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 or if I could dream, you know, if I had a dream, um, you see what I'm saying? But either way, then I would have um, the dreamy ideas because people, um, they love to be in their backyards, no matter whether they're small or big. And they're always like, oh my gosh, if I had this, I would spend more time or my kids would spend more, more time outside if I had this. But you always have to remember, people have different budgets, different dreams. So it's okay to dream big, but I always have to have a way to fit their budget. Oh my gosh, I would love a backyard like this. I would love the pool, the waterfall, the rock climb. Yes, I want all this. Uh, that way we would sit out there, my kids, you know, but that's way over my budget. Oh, oh my gosh. Have you thought, have, have, have you thought about a, uh, a, a dream cradle swing? What's that? I don't know, because I just made it up, but <laughs> you get the idea. We've got something that can capture your imagination so that you can go out in the backyard. Your kids can go out in the backyard. So I you can probably see by now that I'm more about the idea, the thoughts, the philosophies, the, the whole process than I... You don't have to do any of that, by the way, if you can juggle butcher knives, okay? <laughs> well, I can't juggle butcher knives, uh, but you've given me, uh, I'm sort of on the, you've given me uh, inspiration, right? So obviously uh, we have a call center here and we answer the phones for home service and field service companies. And uh, one of the biggest selling points is that, and we were talking about this before we started the show, is that you don't have to worry much about your business capturing leads because anybody that calls, we're going to do the intake. We're going to answer the phone the way that you want us to. We're going to send you the message. We're going to dispatch your technician. Uh, we can keep track of whatever you want us to keep track of schedule appointments, so on and so forth. But the biggest selling point that I like to tell people is that you can have your life back 
You know, you don't have to like worry about waking up in the middle of the night to get a service call because the heat is off and, and the pipes are going to freeze or, uh, you know, the, the power's out and, and, and you have to go fix it. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can go do whatever you want to do. So we could do like, uh, put sand and a beach chair, right. And serve somebody one of those like coconut drinks, or you do the putting green, like you said, because you can go putting or you can go fishing and you do a little goldfish in the fishing tank. But whatever your thing is that you provide the customer with, uh, sort of like the dream scenario, you you can create that in a booth. I like that idea. Um, but what you did mention that I, I, I really want to talk about, because this is where I see a problem for a lot of people, is maybe you're really good at getting people to your booth and, uh, you know, you've got all of this stuff covered, but you're not the best at following up or really seeing that ROI for the investment that you've put into at this, at this home show. Right. Um, what are your tips for exhibitors when it comes to following up with potential customers that they've met and, uh, and what do you, so like you get them there, right? How do you give me like your, your overview of what, what should happen? You get their information. How do you, how do you get the information? How do you follow up? Um, I know you want to make them excited about your product, but how do you make sure that the people that you meet, you have the best opportunity to convert into a paying customer? Well, you've made a great point. We got them there. We somehow captured the lead, right? Or in your case, they called and now you have the contact information. Most of the work is done right? I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. We've just had somebody walk into our door, so to speak. Now we're the only ones that can blow this, right? Okay. Rule number one. And this is the same, whether you're a car salesman, a carpet, so it doesn't matter. Rule number one, after you've done all that, you've done as much presentation as possible. Okay. Rule number one, never call a prospect back. without new information. When you have new information, you're not a telemarketer. You're not somebody wasting your time. When you have new information, you're somebody that's giving them something they need, okay? So in 1980, long before you were, you were born, I sold cars for a year, right? And this is when I developed this never call a customer back without new information. So if somebody came into a car dealership, I had done the research and I knew that about 60, 65% of the people that walked into a car dealership would buy a car within three days because it's such a big deal for people to walk in. So rule number one, never call them back without new information. So ring, ring, ring. Hey, this is Rodney here at Bob Sellers. I'm so sorry to call you, but I, and I'm really sorry. I forgot to tell you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I just feel like a fool. I forgot to tell you that that, that, that uh, uh, 240X Nissan uh, gets 27 miles per gallon when the windows are closed. Now, when they're open, it only gets 26 and a half. But if you really want to make book, you know, just close the windows, 27. Did you know that? I, I know I forgot to tell I am so sorry. And by the way, I also forgot to tell you that the glove box has lifetime sealed bearings. It will never go bad. It will, whatever it is. You see what I mean? New information. So rule number one, after you have the prospect, after you have the contact information, never call them back without new information. New information makes you their friend. You just did them a favor. Totally opposite of if a telemarketer calls me, okay? So that's the first rule. Then the second thing is to have a plan, all right? So uh, for example, um, here at the new flat rate, when we get to that point, we have a prospect, somebody that has shown interest, has given us their contact information, okay, and they want to pursue the idea of do we want to use menu pricing in our business, okay, then they're going to go into a loop and they're automatically going to get seven touches. I mean, it's a process. The process is there. It's going to happen. Um, they're going to immediately be sent a copy of my book, which is why won't they pay? Why won't they pay me what I'm worth? They're immediately going to get a copy of that. 
then they're going to get uh, uh, then they'll get a, certain emails. Then typically they're going to get lumpy mail. Okay, they're going to get uh, usually um, if we're still doing it, they're going to get a package of lifesavers and 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 the message. Uh, hey, we want to throw you a lifesaver. You know, can we help you? Uh, or maybe a, a, a gummy gummy worms or something, you know, hey, don't get bogged down, uh, don't overchew it or something like whatever. In other words, it's a completely planned out process uh, during that time that they're going to get those touches. And then somewhere in there, they're going to get the call with new information, et cetera, et cetera. Point is, we spent all the money, done all the work, attracted them to our booth or whatever, now how can we how can we make their experience continue to be um um um, um friendly uh you know good feeling warm warm and fuzzy how can we make their experience with us continue to be warm and fuzzy while enticing curiosity and offering uh, new information which may be, because now that we have the prospect and the contact information, we know something about them. Maybe I'm a landscaper and I know where they live and I know that in their neighborhood, uh, an awful lot of people have swimming pools or things like that. So that can generate what information that I send them. By the way, I don't know if you know this, um, but we put five, five pools in your neighborhood. And interestingly enough, they're all different size. One of them might be perfect for you. You might wanna just walk over and look at it. See what I'm saying? We've done all the thinking thought work to get them. So now, now what happens going out? So the process after you have the contact is how can we become friends uh, so that we can do business together? Uh, helps if you have a great, great product that's proven, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, even if it's an answering service, you know, you when you call that customer, you want it to be the, mo the most friendly thing that they could possibly get, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I love your whole approach. Um, I'm a marketing guy, so it's my job. I like to say things uh, that I like to uh, make it look pretty, you know, and uh, with the pool thing, you know, you tell them, oh, you know, it, it costs $20,000 to put in the pool, but our average customer adds about 30,000 to their, uh, their home's value when they go to sell it, you know, so really is a money making proposition for you. Um, just, just, you got my wheels turning so much here. Um, I do want to talk about this because I think you've got such a unique service um, with this menu pricing. So can we talk about the new flat rate? Um, what, what, what is it? How does it work? Um, educate me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little lost. Well, People, people love to go to, um, to restaurants and things, obviously, and somebody hands them a menu. And if it's, if it's over here at the Waffle House, their steak and eggs dinner is about 12 bucks. You know, they, did you know, oh, fun facts. Did you know Waffle House sells more steak than any, any, anybody in the United States? Waffle House sells more steak. So by the way, fun facts are important. You can go back to fun facts, even in your booth. You need to have fun facts, like for pest control, a fun fact. You can't, can't kill a spider. You can have a display saying it's impossible to kill. You can't kill a spider. Did you know that? You want to kill it? You got to step on that bad boy. There's <laughs> nothing you can spray on them, et cetera. You can't kill a spider. Well, who knows that? So it's a fun fact, something to talk about, something that you can put, you can have a display with spiders. How do you kill a spider? Okay. So millions of dollars of goods and services are sold every day by waiters and waitresses with no sales training. Well, when there's no sales training, there's no selling. And when there's no selling, there's no sales resistance. I'm sitting at the table, I'm in Waffle House or I'm in Ruth's Christ, and I'm not worried about somebody trying to sell me anything, okay? Um, I choose my steak, you want a potato, I choose my, but I never feel like they're trying to sell. Why? Because everything is right there, it's on a menu and I can move up. So we stumbled onto this. 
we had been to all the sales trainers, consultants, and all of that kind of stuff. And in my HVAC company and in my electrical company, when I would go into somebody's house and say, okay, yeah, we can replace the outlet behind the microwave, it's $78. They would be like, are you crazy? Seven, you know, I can buy that thing for 33 cents at Home Depot. I, I've always been a smart aleck. I'm never, I've never been successful at in-home selling like that because I always say things like, <laughs> oh, that's where we buy them too. <laughs> I'm just... So if you're a smart aleck, you need you need a process, okay? So it's, it doesn't work that good, okay? But if I have a menu and I can say, oh my gosh, Mr. Customer, I checked, I I, I just checked your outlet here, and yep, just like you said, uh, that thing is burning up. So I'm a little bit concerned. I've got some options. Would you like to see them? They say sure. Now that what our system is is whatever the diagnosis, the diagnosis is the outlet behind the microwave is burning up, okay? Then what's the solution? So I go to my table of contents in electrical and I go um, uh, uh, device repair, outlet switches, et cetera, et cetera. And then I choose a level, a level based on how difficult is this? Is this just a kitchen outlet or whatever? Now, you all along in our discussion today, you've seen how we need to think beyond the obvious. So with electricians, I can say to an electrician because they kind of they kind of can see through walls. So I say, you look at that outlet that's burned up, right? Okay, what else is in the area? On the kitchen countlet, there's probably at least four, maybe a dozen uh, more outlets. You know they're probably all in the same condition and they're they're gonna have a problem. So if the customer moves up, can we do a better job using our talent, knowledge, wisdom, craftsmanship, experience. It, with all the experience and knowledge, could we do better? Yeah, we could we could renovate all of these all of these outlets. We could take them all out, go through, tighten up all the wire nuts, tighten up all the grounds, make the pigtails better, do the whole thing, support the outlet so that when they plug something in, it doesn't break the plate. We could do that to all of them. We could even put new devices, new outlets and things like that. So that would be an area restoration. Now let's look behind that in our mind. We look behind those outlets and we see those wires going through the walls all the way down to the breaker panel. If I'm a mat, if I'm an electrician, okay, and I have talent, skill, knowledge, wisdom, experience, is could I do something to that breaker panel to, to make this whole experience better? Absolutely. I could replace the circuit breaker. Most electricians will say, well, there's no reason to replace a circuit breaker. Well, the National Electrical Manufacturers Association says that breaker is only certified for 10 trips under power. If it's been tripping, then it's it's a good idea to replace it. Do they have to? No. But is it their choice? Sure. So if they take a higher option, what do we do? We do what we call service out the panel. Tighten, tighten the screws, check the grounds, check the neutrals, check the bonding. Uh, then what else could we do? We could add whole house surge protection there. There's so much that we can do because we have knowledge and experience. But if we just say, yep, that outlet's burned up, I'm going to replace it for 150 bucks. We'll see, then it's take it or leave it. That's like walking into a restaurant and, and, and looking at the menu and not having a menu. And they say, you know, what do you want? We got cheeseburgers, that's all. Well, could I have a fish? Cheeseburgers, that's it. That, Nick, most of the industries you and I are talking about right now have a cheeseburger mentality. Mm -hmm. Well, the hose bib was loose and they didn't want to fix it. Well, if a hose bib is loose on a house, there's probably a lot of other problems there, right? So maybe I could I could fix it, I could replace it, I could tighten it, I could put in a, a frost-proof uh, hose bib, I could put in a frost-proof hose bib and give them an anti-kinking hose, give them a heavy-duty hose, uh, give them a, 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 a heavy-duty spray. How about this? How, how about a, a can't-be-stolen sprayer? I'm, I, at my house, I'm always like, does somebody come around buying hose sprayers because we never have a hose sprayer. Anyway, I'm just saying, there's so much more that you as the expert can do, but people don't buy your craftsmanship, knowledge, wisdom, and experience because you don't have a way to put it on the table.
Mr. Customer, our top option is, is, is a complete renovation uh, of your basic plumbing system where the water comes into the house. First of all, we're going to put a tag. We're going to put a tag on the main cutoff. And if there isn't there one, we're going to put it there. You get a water leak, bam, you know right where to shut off the water. Mm -hmm. No big problem there. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll mark all of your bypasses, all of your hoses, everything for your, your water softener, your filter, whatever. And then we'll tighten and check all of this stuff all the way out here. We'll put new uh, uh, can't freeze uh, hose bibs all the way around your house, everything tight and secure. And not only that, we'll throw in a, a 50 foot, uh, three quarter inch heavy duty hose that will probably never break. And a hose uh, sprayer that as long as nobody steals it, it'll always be there for you. That's our top option. I don't know if you'd want that. If we did all that, it would be maybe $2,800, whatever, maybe $1,800, whatever. It would be this. But hey, I've got these other options. Go ahead and look. So all of the options step down, never mentioning parts, except for maybe a frost-proof hose bib, but only mentioning solutions, you know, uh, a complete safety solution, a labeling solution, whatever it might be, all the way down to uh, just renovate, renovate that hose bib, the product, what they call the Zelt for. But I'll tell you the secret, Nick, the secret is this. And you can see it at McDonald's. If you go into McDonald's because you want a hamburger, you can buy a hamburger for 99 cents all the way up to a hamburger for $8.95. They don't have to, now get this. Oh my gosh, this is the most powerful thing I'm gonna say today. They don't have to buy anything but a hamburger for you to make a lot more money. I'm going to tell you how McDonald's went to billions of dollars of profit off a 99 cent hamburger that had seven cents profit in it. 7% net is the standard for most home service companies and has been for over 50 years. So they need more volume to make more money. Here it is in a nutshell, McDonald's added a five cent slice of cheese and then changed the name. If they didn't change the name, Nick, this never would have worked because a hamburger and a five cent slice of cheese goes from 99 cents to $1.10, but a cheeseburger starts at $1.99. So you go from seven, uh, seven cents, seven percent net profit, to oh my gosh, 90, 90, 80, 87, 88 uh, cents profit on that same deal. Billions. That is worth billions to McDonald's. You can still get. They got over five menus: salad, fish, chicken, burgers, something else. Okay. But if you go in there for a hamburger, there ain't nobody there trying to sell you a fish burger. Now, if you come in, if, if I go into somebody's house because they need an outlet and I'm trying to sell them a new sink, they're gonna throw me out. I'm gonna turn on the sales that you're trying to sell. But if, they, if they've got an outlet that's not working and I can just move up and, and my top option is a complete renovation of all of these whole area, all of these outlets and things like that. See, I haven't changed the subject. There's no sales resistance. My bottom option has to, has to solve the problem they asked me for today. So we have thousands and thousands of menus uh, in, a, in the app. So they diagnose, they go to the table account, find the page, and then they present it to the customer. What's going to happen? Nine out of 10 customers in heating, air, electric, plumbing, we've got this pest control. Nine out of 10 will choose an option in less than 10 seconds. And that's, that can be, and if it's, a, if it's a new heating and air system, it could be a $30,000 heating and air system, typically maybe a minute, minute and a half, uh, $35,000 whole house generator, uh, anywhere from 60 seconds to a minute and a half. What do you think? People are going to, you know, they, they, people do not want to sit for two hours at their kitchen table for a sales presentation. Okay. Anyway, that kind of gives you an overview of what we do. It's being used 30,000 times a week. We're in all 50 states plus Canada. Rodney, you are a ton of fun, man. And uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
We will be back with another episode of Business Savvy soon, but uh, links to everything that we covered today in, uh, in, in this conversation can be found in the description of this episode, including links to the new flat rate um, and everything else that Rodney covered. Be sure to check out previous episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the Ring Savvy YouTube channel. Uh, see you next time, everyone. <laughs>